Eamon Lavagas Taylor II was convicted of one count of first-degree murder and two counts of attempted first-degree murder related to the shooting of three teenagers. On October 4, 2012, a grand jury indicted Taylor on two counts of murder related to the shooting death of Rehan Gomez, first-degree premeditated murder and first-degree murder while committing a drive-by shooting. Taylor was also indicted on attempted first-degree murder charges related to two victims who survived the shooting. Taylor, at 27, was immediately sentenced to life in prison without parole in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the jury took about five hours to reach this wording. This is Fair Play on JusticeNews.net. Joining me right now is Keeman Taylor. Keeman, thank you so much for joining me on Fair Play. Yep, yep, no problem. You heard what I was just reading. These are pretty heavy allegations on you, so how do you respond to this, Keeman? I feel that the... Uh... Um, the DA and the, the judge really didn't feel that I was guilty of all the charges because they offered me a plea deal of 180 months, which is 15 years, and um, it's a third of that in Minnesota that you have to do, so I would have to do 10 years, and so if I was as dangerous and as bad of a person as they said that I was, they wouldn't have offered me that deal where I'll be out this year, um, June 6th, if I would have accepted the plea deal. Why didn't you accept it? Um, because I have my dad been a religious person and a pastor. He he said it's, it's not right to uh, admit to doing, to doing something that you really didn't do. So even though the gamble was like... Um, uh, life without parole or due to 10 years, I, I just couldn't see myself doing time for something that I didn't do. All right. Did you do any of these shootings in 2012? No, I didn't. I, I never fired a gun. The allegations wasn't that I fired a gun, but that I um, conspired with them to do a drive-by shooting. But actually, I, I had no idea that a shooting was going to take place. All right. So obviously you were offered a plea deal and those guys who uh, alleged that you did it were also offered a plea deal, I guess. Right. And they took it. Yep, they took the plea deal um, uh, in exchange to say whatever the state needed them to say to convict me. What I want to do right now is we're going to go back in time. The shooting occurred on August 24th, 2011. So I'm going to take you back on August 23rd, 2011. So just bear with me and, and tell me what were you doing on the 23rd of August in 2011? The 23rd, uh, it's kind of hard to uh, remember what I was doing on the 23rd, but I believe that was around the time my brother was in the hospital, so I probably was at work and after work visited him in the hospital and maybe gave him a, a ride home from the hospital. What happened to your brother? Um, he was shot. He was shot four times, um, three times in the back and one time in the arm. By who? Um, by a Jawan Osborne, uh, a.k.a. Skits. Okay, so... 
Were you pissed off at these guys? Did you want to do something to them? Um, at the time, I had no idea who the shooter was, so I can't say that I wanted to do anything to him because I, at the time it was a, um, a critical situation and we were just um, hoping and praying for my brother's well-being. All right, so let's go back. Uh, what were you doing on the 24th of August in 2011? Um, I was riding to go visit my brother at my mother's house. And that's when I was waved down by um, a close friend of the family and my brother's friend who he went to school with. And he was with three other of his associates. And I had pulled over and they asked for a ride to the store. And initially I said no, because I was on the way to go visit my brother and they didn't know that he was out of the hospital. And so they asked, could they ride with me to visit? Um, I said no at first and I should have followed my first line, but um, somehow they persuaded me and I, I gave him a ride. Mm -hmm. And uh, once we, once I got him, gave him a ride, we ended up at my mom's house. I went in inside, and my brother, he went out. I let him know his friends was outside. He went out and got in the van. And as I was um, talking to my mom for about 10 minutes, I went out and got in the van, and they were still talking. I didn't know what they were talking about. And so I asked my brother, did he want to ride with me to drop them off? And he agreed, so we went to driving on the, the way to drop him off where I picked him up at. And they seen a friend that they knew um, by the name of Easy. Mm -hmm. I don't know his real name, but it, in my paperwork, it says his name was Easy. Okay. And so they wanted to talk to him and ask him, I guess, did he have some marijuana? And so they got out, and I kind of didn't park, but it I kind of left the, I was kind of off to the side, and so they went like they were going in the house, but went to the back of the house, and then as they were in the back of the house, about maybe a couple minutes, that's when the gunshots went off, and the gunshots went off, I didn't know, they were so loud, I didn't know where it was coming from, so I went to pull off. And as I was pulling off, getting close to the corner, one of the guys in the back stated that they were running towards the van and to stop. So I stopped to let him in, and I once I let him in, I'm like, "What, man? What just went, what just happened?" And they had told me they got in the shootout, and I'm like, "What?" And so I'm like, "Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta drop, hurry up and drop y'all." I asked them where anybody hurt, and they said they didn't know. So I dropped him off and went on about my day. And I never knew nobody was even hurt. So hang on a second. So you had you picked up four guys. Two of them stayed with you and your brother in the van and two went to get some marijuana? Right. So when you were pulling off, didn't the other two guys ask you to stop? Where are you going, man? Our, our two guys are behind. One of them stated that, like, hold on, hold on. Here come... Um, uh, DQ and uh, Derek. So that's when I pulled over to, I kind of stopped 
and they ran and caught up to the car and jumped in. So who were the two guys who went out? Um, their name is Donquarius Copeland and Derek Ketchins. Okay. Now the story that what happened behind the house in the alley that I had to learn from reading my motion of discovery is that a third guy with a gun had seen him and shot one time. And the, the detectives questioned him about shooting one time. He admitted, like, yeah, I shot one time. I seen some suspicious activity and I, I shot. They questioned him and got him to admit to firing the firearm and released him without any charges. Wow. So I had to learn that through my emotion of discovery. But at the time, I was fighting the trial. This, none of this was brought up because I wasn't accused of doing any shooting. So I guess my public defender felt that it was no need to even bring up what happened in the alley. Okay, so hang in there. Uh, you're saying that there was a third guy with the two guys uh, who actually admitted to firing the gun to the police. Correct. And then the police let him go. Questioning him and let him go. No charges. Okay. And uh, did uh, any ballistics that the gun that he fired w were the same was the same gun that they found the bullets off in the alley? Yep. They found. They found uh, 45 caliber shell cases, which he admitted to shooting a, a 45 caliber handgun. Okay. And um, my co-defendants, which the, who got out the car, were firing a 357 automatic handgun, which they found shell cases. All right. And the, the medical examiner testified under oath that she couldn't state which gun killed them because they were both large caliber handguns so and they went straight through so she couldn't determine which handgun was the one that caused Ray John death okay so they know that both weapons uh, were used on that crime scene but they don't know which weapon killed Rayhan Gomez correct so these guys get in the car and then you start to drive. What did you do? Where did you go? Did you ask them about what happened? Hey, man, I just heard gunshots. What's going on? Right. I say, I, I just, I say, what what, what happened? And they said, um, well, somebody fired on us and we had to return fire. And I'm like, dang, you guys got a, y'all got a gun? And they like, well, yeah. And I say, well, I got to hurry up and drop y'all off. Because I don't be into that. You know, so I dropped them off and, and. Because partially the reason I'm concerned is my brother fresh out the hospital, and I know my mom will be upset because he's, he's barely able to walk. So she'll be upset for me having him even around a similar situation than where he just got came from. Yeah. So I dropped him off and, and went back to my mom's house, and I never knew anybody was hurt let alone anyone lost their life that night. And when I found out, the shooters were already in custody. These two guys? Yep. Don Quirius and Derek. Right. Don Quirius and uh, Derek was already in custody and charged um, 
have been charged with the murder of Ray John. So how how did you find out? I found out when um, a friend of my brother's let me know, like, well, you know, Don Quarius and Derek is in in jail right now uh, for first degree murder. And I'm like, wow. And I. And how many days after the shooting did they end up in in the prison? Um, maybe I'm not sure. I'm thinking maybe a couple weeks. Okay, so so a couple of weeks go by. You don't talk about it. Nobody talks about it. You go about doing your thing, and then and then somebody tells you that hey, these guys are, are in prison. Right. Mainly because I'm from um, the north side of Minneapolis. And so it's common, I hate to say it, it's common for um, shootings to happen around my where I was raised. It's common, and, and a lot of times don't nobody get hurt or let alone die. So somebody being dead was far far away from my head that that happened. You know, so when I found out they were in jail charged with first degree murder it was like a shock but I didn't even get questioned to almost a year later a year and a half later and after I got questioned uh, two weeks later I was indicted okay so uh, so how did you come in the picture I came in the picture because nobody they were in custody a year almost two years and never mentioned me, I guess. And so one of the guys that were in the van caught a firearm charge and mentioned my name, I guess. And so that's when they came and talked to me. And I said, well, I, I've been uh, misled by the detective, so I would like to tell my lawyer what's going on. And then they, my lawyer could communicate with you. And they didn't like that at all, so they left. And then I told my lawyer, and he communicated with them. All right. So they came to your house? No, I was in custody when they came on an unrelated offense. Okay. So tell me about that. I kind of kind of broke. So how did you end up in custody? Well, I was. I had pled guilty to. Um, being in possession of a firearm in two years before. And so I was paying my debt to society for, for that, what happened two years before. Two years prior to the shooting? Correct, yep. In 2010. Yeah, so if, if that happened in 2010, you uh, were you in prison for that? I was in the county jail, actually. Um, waiting to get transferred. All right, but but when you were with your brother driving down that alley, you were out of the jail, right? Yeah, I was out. I was out of jail. Yeah, right. so how did you end up, how did they come to you for this crime? Um, they came to question me about it, and uh, like I said, I, I wanted to talk to an attorney. No, no, so, they came, no, but they came to question you why. How did they come? Your case was done, right? The, the when you pled guilty to a weapon. Right, my case was over with. So they came to question me because they said my name came up because um, I, I think because the shooters was riding with me, so they wanted to know what I knew. 
So the shooters told them that they were with, you were driving them? No, not the shooters. Um, one of the passengers. One of the passengers, when they were interviewed by the police, they said that you were the one driving. Right, correct. Okay. And at that time, did anyone allege that you told them to do this? At, at first, no. But after a while, it started to come into play like, oh, well, I suggested it. And I don't know where it came from, but it was far from the truth. Did you suggest it? Absolutely not. You know, one would argue that your brother was shot, so you might be pissed off and you want to avenge the kill the shooting. That was the whole state's theory about it. And that was the motive that they stuck on me when actuality the the judge denied a motion to bring in an alternative motive because the shooters had their own motives. Because also in my paperwork, it said the reason why the shooters decided to return fire, but it was not able to be introduced to the jury. Wow. For reasons, for reasons unknown to me. like That is crazy, man. I had no idea that... Um, Ray John Gomez had got into an altercation with Derek Ketchins in a juvenile facility. I had no idea about that because, like I said, I, I that was my first time ever meeting Derek. Oh, so, so Derek You and, have one minute remaining. Derek and Ray John already have a history. They had a history, yep. Correct. Oh shit, man! So it's not like they, they, uh, there could be a possibility that they knew Rajan was there and they just wanted to go out and avenge and took you along on the ride. Right. And oh. and it was after my brother um, had awoke from the, the coma, we had knew who was responsible for shooting him, and we knew that it wasn't Rajan or nobody that was with Rajan. Yeah, so it doesn't make any sense. Right. So somebody tells gives them your name, that's like after some time of being arrested, those guys. Right. They come to question you even though you're not you're not it's not even related to you. Right. It's just just because my name came up. Okay. With somebody that was in the in the car when when we when it when it happened. And so Okay. So they, they come talk to me, and I, I tell them I don't want to talk to them. I tell my lawyer. And so I had a conversation with my lawyer, and I told him exactly what happened, what I'm telling um, you guys, word from word. Okay. And at this time, I was already indicted, and I didn't know I was... It was kind of like a secretive indictment, because it was just out of the blue. And... Um, at this time, my attorney was working on the defense, and I told him what happened. And he tells me um, it's gonna—he think it's gonna be hard for a jury to believe that I was the driver and they were in the car with me. But I didn't know that the incident was gonna take place when they stepped out of the car. Mm. And so he said 
he suggested that the, our defense strategy should be that I wasn't there. And but, me being the, ignorant to the... But the problem is that your, bro- your brother was there. He would testify that you were there. How can you say that you're not there? My brother didn't testify at all because he was so shook up because um, I guess the detectives had came and talked to him and threatened him with charges and where when my attorneys tried to subpoena him they couldn't find him they couldn't find your brother they couldn't find my brother my mom didn't know where he was uh my dad didn't know where he was they couldn't find him because he was scared so he went hiding because they were using intimidating tactics to question them and at the time they were minors so they were scared Hmm. so but there were two other guys who were left in the car they they would be as witnesses you know to you that you were in the car right yep and they only used one other guy the other guy i didn't get a chance to cross-examine him because i guess and this was the guy that initially brought my name into the whole thing but i guess because he caught another case and he wasn't willing to corroborate and he was going to, I guess he was going back and forth with the district attorney. They didn't use him because he wasn't credible because he wasn't going to go along with their story anymore. Okay, so what, what did your attorney tell you to do? Um, my attorney rehearsed for hours a testimony, a false testimony that I was to get on the stand and tell. He told me that I it was that I had to get on the stand, that the jury would want to hear from me. Hang on, hang on. To say that I was Yeah, to say what? To say that I wasn't there. He asked you to lie? Yes, he asked me to lie and say that I wasn't there. And that also that I didn't talk to any of the jailhouse informants that that testified on behalf of the state to get out early. And so we rehearsed um, a testimony that I would give. We went over it for, I believe, like two and a half hours. Shit. Do you have... And so I did exactly what my attorney asked me to do. And I even told my attorney, I think it would be best if we told the truth. But he said that that a jury, it was, uh, he didn't think a jury would believe that I didn't know what was going on. But I told him I didn't know what was going on. It just happened. Yeah, but the thing is that, I mean, first of all, do you have any proof, uh, any evidence that your attorney asked you to do this? Only evidence that I have is my attorney and where well, was two of them that I had, two public defenders, and it was a private conversation. So all of our, all of our um, meetings will be private, so unless my attorney will tell the truth, and say that that was his defense strategy. I don't have any. I don't have any evidence because it was a closed off. And okay. Um. And I am. And he is protected through client uh, uh, attorney privilege. Yeah, but the uh, the thing is that if you say now that your attorney coerced you to lie, the question would be that it would be your word against his, right? Because there is no proof of this. Correct. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay. So he, he coerced you to lie, and then you, what did you guys do then? You practiced for two and a half hours? 
Yeah, we just rehearsed what I would get on the stand and say um, uh, the night before I was due to get on the stand and testify in my, on my own behalf. Okay. And then what happened? Where, where did the jailhouse informants come from? When, uh, when they indicted you, they put you in prison? Yep, yep. I was already um, in custody. So when they indicted me, when they indicted me, I, I was already in jail. So I, I had no conversations with these guys at all. And they came out the woodworks because I was also in the in the county jail with two other people that was charged with the same thing. So they were talking. So one had came to my unit and it was quiet, and he heard me say my my voice print on the phone because you got to state your name before you make a phone call. And he said, "Oh, so you're Kimi." Uh, I was in the unit with your co-defendant. He, he's telling all you guys his business, so you need to probably try to tell him to. So I'm like, oh, well, it's his business. We're not on the same case. So I had to lie to protect myself to throw him off to think that, like, oh, we're on different cases if he is talking because I know that the county jail is full of people that's trying to get out of jail, mm. and they're using other cases to try to get out of jail early. Mm. So... That's where they came from, and everybody that, all the jailhouse informants got out early over, off my case, so. Hmm. So what happened in the court then? Do you go to the court next day? Um, I go to court, and I, I, I give my trial testimony, and I felt that it was all wrong. I felt from the beginning, like, it was better off telling the truth and, and just letting the jury decide. But me being naive to the law, I figured that my attorney had my best interests. So I went along with what he told me to do. And ultimately it ended up in a bad a bad decision. Then then what did you do? I got it I got cross examined and it really was a horrible decision because everybody that was in the van that testified was like, even um, one of the guys, Tevin Barnett, uh, which was an unindicted co-defendant, was just a witness. He testified um, that nobody had knowledge that they were going to get out and a shooting was going to take place. But by me lying, saying that oh, they wasn't with me, it turned out being a bad decision because he's saying, well, yeah, we were with Kimin, but Kimin didn't tell him that to get out or anything. They did that on their own. It still, like, didn't matter to the jury because the jury, like, well, he said he wasn't there, so he must be lying about everything. It ruined my credibility, really. And that was rounds for them to find me guilty. Yeah, because uh, the thing is that well, what I'm trying to understand is that uh, how can an attorney to come and defend you give you this idea to lie when he knows that the other co-defendants, when they will be cross-examined, they will tell the truth. They will say that Keeman was there. And when that occurs, Keeman will be branded a liar and everything that he says will be used against him. Right. I, I had no idea of, of that. And uh, 
it, he made it seem good because the way the direction that we took after the shooting went place, went I mean took place. Excuse me. Uh, we went past the store and we viewed hours of the store surveillance, which didn't see the see the vehicle. So, and then he found a witness that was outside at the time of the shooting on the same block where I was sitting outside. He found a witness to say that she never seen the van, and so. I didn't, it, it sounded good as a defense to me. Like, okay, you the lawyer, so I should just listen to what you got to say. Yeah, man, he and, fucked you over, man. Yeah, he, yeah, it was, it turned out to be a terrible decision. Absolutely. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lifelong uh, decision now. And the fact that uh, I don't understand how can a defense attorney do this unless he's working with the prosecutors. Right, that's what I come to, to terms with now as I've been um, studying and practicing law uh, from the time I've been in prison. And I was uh, thinking about filing the post-conviction and bringing that into, but from ineffective assistance of counsel, but my thing was, he can argue that it was trial strategy, and if it's a trial strategy, he's not liable if something go wrong because it's just a trial strategy, mm-hmm. according to the law in Minnesota. Man, even if the trial strategy involves coercion and lying. Now that's a different subject um, because I can file that and I'll. I was in the middle of following filing a petition on them grounds, and so what would happen was would be that um, it would be a post. I would file a post conviction petition on ineffective assistance of counsel, and I will give an affidavit on what I told to the attorney of what actually happened and his response to that. And I will have an evidentiary hearing, and he would be called to testify. Um, to clarify the facts and what he would say is yet determined so that's what I was in the middle of before um, just before COVID we will not talk about anything that would disclose your strategy to fight your case okay we'll just talk about uh, stuff that is publicly available and your experiences with that okay so uh, let's go back to the trial. So uh, so the co-defendants are being uh, questioned, cross-examined, and they're all saying that you were there. And, and then what happened? Um, they said I was there. Uh, uh, a couple of them, like the shooters, you know, they're trying to get a deal. So, of course, they're going to say what the state needs to them to say in order to get the deal. So What did they say? They're saying... Um, if I can recall, I don't have my transcripts in front of me, but from what I can recall, they said that uh, um, we were riding in. You have one minute remaining. Basically the same thing I said, but they added some extra stuff that was false. Um, I, believe, I believe somewhere along the line that um, I told them to see if um, skits, which is... Jawan Osborne, who shot my brother, was outside, which was totally false, because the state's whole theory was that 
we were looking for Jawan Osborne. Mm-hmm. So it was it was all mixed up. It was all mixed up. Actually, the deputy that sat with me my whole trial couldn't believe he he just apologized to me my my whole ride on the elevator and said that the jury couldn't have heard the same thing he heard because um, it was obviously a, a lie, all lies. So what did the two guys who were actually at the shooting, what did they say about you? Uh, they basically just tried to make me look um, bad. They said it was my idea. And it was all in retaliation from my little brother and, and things like that. I can't remember exactly word for word what they said, but that's pretty much what they said is that... Um, that I, I gave him the idea to get out and, and shoot, which was far from the truth. Yeah, but but uh, was that point mentioned that uh, Derek Catchings and Donquarius Dunk, Copeland have had some beef with the guy that was shot? Was that point ever brought out? It wasn't. It, we had a motion on it, and a pre-trial motion on specifically that. And the judge said that it would confuse the jury and that he said the only motive mattered was the motive that I had for the shooting, that I would have for the shooting. Yeah, but... So he excluded anything that had to do with their motive. That's a that's a, that's kind of like ridiculous because what motive did you have because the gentleman who got shot has nothing to do with your brother. So what motive would you have? Right. And that's what my public defender argued. Like, and the state argued that it would confuse the jury, that nobody motive matter because but mine, since I'm the one standing trial. According to who? Um, according to the district attorney. Yeah, but the district attorney is listening to who? What's his evidence? Uh, the, the things that they're saying. Who? Who are saying? The, the, the detective that's investigating the whole case. Yeah, well, the detective is ba- is basing their their this allegation on whose testimony, man? Ah, that's a good question. I have no idea. Okay, I'll tell you, man. The detective have no evidence that you said. Was it a recording? It wasn't. It wasn't a recording or nothing. It was just. I guess so. So, so these detectives are basing their investigation and their allegations based on these two guys who already had a beef with Mr. Gomez. Correct. Yep. So, how can anybody in his sane mind go along with this? That here I have two guys who I know were at the shooting. Their weapons match the casings that was found. And now these two guys are saying that we did it because Keevan said it. Even though we, when we were in juvenile court, when we were, we were when we were juveniles, we had some kind of an exchange right. with yeah. Mr. Gomez. And I tried to get my attorney to get the the evidence of them being incarcerated in the same juvenile facility together, but he said it depended on the judge's ruling. And the judge ruled that 
it to be the excluded from the trial and the jury ears. So that was that was that. Yeah, then then your attorney should get up and say it's a mistrial. Right. And if if the court if the court is stopping you from proving that the guys who are accusing you were in juvenile facility prior to the shooting with Rajan Gomez that just makes the motive on puts the motive on them you know i mean just think about what i'm saying right now right yeah right and- okay you ha- you have you you have Derek Catchings and Don Query is Copeland who were the two shooters in that alley the gentleman who got shot in that alley you know uh you know his name is Rajan Gomez now these three have something in common because two of them for sure were in the same juvenile facility and had some kind of altercation and now Correct. fast forward these two are in the alley and Rajan gets shot so who's got the motive right does Keeman have a motive or uh Don Quirius or Derek have a motive and that's one of the main reasons why they didn't want that to be heard yeah yeah because it would uh, just it would exonerate you that's why and i i appeal my a public defender appealed that it's all the way into the supreme court in which it was denied that that evidence was excluded from on what grounds they they didn't even give a grounds uh-huh not that i think of it uh but they they agreed to listen to one of my arguments was and that was a a violation of my sixth amendment right to a public trial and that was the only argument that the um federal supreme supreme court with the eighth circuit were here yeah so here in the documents it says testifying as part of a plea agreement catchings acknowledged that he was a member of vnt some group uh young and thugging gang and he was at a house known as the nest where he hung out with tb ml and copeland at some point the group got into a blue van driven by taylor the van went to taylor's house to pick up taylor's younger brother who associated with people from vnt taylor's brother got in the van and the group talked about how he had been shot by skids who affiliated with an opposition gang according to catchings taylor suggested that the group go to the lows to look for skids or if they would if they could not find skids to look for rival gang members catchings had a semi automatic handgun with him which he showed to the group including taylor is that all true that's false that's false about him showing the handgun but that's what he testified and remind when i said that when i got to my mother's house i went inside the house and never i didn't know the conversation that they was having before i got back in the car cuz i was in my mom's house for like 15 to 20 minutes and when i came back out i asked my brother did he want to ride with me to drop them off and he agreed so the conversation that they had prior i'm sure that they asked them all what happened cuz if you didn't see nobody before they got shot and you see them they shot up yeah um the natural question would be man what happened to you 
And so I'm I'm sure that he told them, oh, yeah, I got shot. I got shot by this person. But far as me getting in and say, oh, let's go look for any one of them, which Ray John's not a, a member of them, and nobody that was shot is affiliated with anybody with skits. The people who got shot are uh, uh, affiliated uh, with the Doncrarius and Derek. Right. They actually they're I, they I don't they are into it and Derek got into an altercation with um, Ray John and fought him. Okay. Okay. In a juvenile facility. Okay, so Derek and and uh, Ray John had an altercation when they were in juvenile facility. Correct. Yeah. So the person who got shot and got hurt had nothing to do with you guys, but had something to do with Derek and Don Clarius. Correct. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it's just absurd that that motive would be thrown out of the court. You know, that is just absurd. You know, it should be a mistrial. because the evidence that will you that can be used to exonerate me is just being blocked from being used isn't that ridiculous didn't your attorney stand up and said no right that was the reason why he filed the the motion and which was denied did he did he uh, uh, do something again or he just accepted he it he said it would he said it would have to be raised on appeal so did he That's appeal He didn't appeal, but the, uh, somebody from the public defender's office um, appealed it. And then what happened to the appeal? Um, it was denied. It was denied all the way up to the Eighth Circuit. So what does that mean? Um, for far as I can understand, I believe that the issue was just the issue just wasted away by being appealed by being de- uh, denied all the times. And you can't appeal that? Appeal that? I believe not. From what what I learned, it only can reach so far. And once the Eighth Circuit denied the hearing, that's when it it was over with. So you mean the United States Supreme Court? You've lost that opportunity to take it to the United States Supreme Court? Yep, correct. Yep. Okay. So that means what? Uh, I mean I guess what they're saying is that until something is something uh, credible is discovered until then nothing could be done. Correct. So I also hired a, a private private but I'm not going to get into that um because as you said we shouldn't talk about the strategies that I got on hand right now so it's a good idea to get a private investigator and and then try to find out what's going on is that what you're saying? Right, correct. I which I I did and he's in the middle of um getting the truth uh, and reinvestigating the witnesses cuz now that they don't have anything to gain or lose by telling the truth, um we just see if they got got the truth to offer. All right. And that's what he's doing and and so far every everybody's on board and and willing to I guess corroborate and tell their side of the story. without being pressured. All right, that's good. So, was your brother a part of the of the YNT gang? I he had some associates, some some associates with them, I believe. 
Okay. But you don't know what your brother and the guys were talking about prior to leaving your house? No, I don't. You had no idea? Prior to leaving my mom's house, I had no idea that they were even discussing the, the heated situation. They they went so far as the detective is to have a gang expert come and testify in my trial that I was a gang member, and which is so far from the truth. I, I have nothing to support. They have nothing to support that I was a gang member or even affiliated with the Y&T. They had nothing whatsoever. So it was just an accusation based on the, the testimony of a, uh, a gang member? You have one gang. minute remaining. A gang expert. A gang expert. Yep, they took some two pictures when I was that I had on Facebook by myself and said that from the picture and the uh, gestures, which were partying gestures that I was making, and they said that that was uh, an indication that I was a gang member. Yeah. Nothing else. No other pictures, no juvenile history or nothing. And, and I was thinking if that was true, why wouldn't it be charged as benefit of the gang, first-degree murder? It with the benefit of the gang, because that's what they normally do in Minnesota. When you have gang affiliation and the crime take place for retaliation of a gang member, but none of that, I was charged with none of that because they knew I wasn't a gang member. Yeah, because they couldn't prove it. Your current balance is five dollars forty-seven cents. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. Hey, I'm sorry about the way I had the wrong line. So I had to wait in for the phone. No problem, man. No problem. So, so tell me, Keeman, were you a part of any gangs? I wasn't. No, I had no gang affiliation. My juvenile growing up, um, all the way until I was an adult. I had no gang affiliation. Uh, in some of the reports out there about you, they say that you, you've had media, you've had uh, gang affiliation. I, before this trial, I had no gang affiliation at all. In, if, you, if I ask you, Keeman, in your words, what do you think occurred at your trial? Um, I feel that the prosecutor... Um, did whatever they had to do to win the case. Whether whether it be um, coercing witnesses or whatever, um, they did what they had to do to secure the conviction. Mm -hmm. Because from the beginning, if, if, if I can add that, they barely got the charges because from the beginning of the whole case against me was shaky because um, Tevin Barnett and Marcus Lynch were the witnesses that they brought. They were the evidence that they brought before the grand jury. And their original testimonies before the, the first proceedings wasn't enough evidence to indict me because... Um, they were telling the truth. Um, they said that I didn't know or anybody else knew 
that the shooting was going to take place. And two weeks later, they brought Seven Barnett back and made him give another testimony. And he said that he wasn't being truthful, that he figured that I may have knew that a shooting was going to take place. Not that I did, but I may have knew, according to the grand jury transcripts. Mm-hmm. And that was enough probable cause to, to charge me with the indictment. Mm. Uh, between that time, I was wondering, like, what happened? Because it's, it's totally not in the transcripts that uh, what happened in between time in them two weeks. Like, there's no... No... Um, record of them going back to question him or anything. It's just he came back for another grand jury proceedings after I didn't get indicted the first time and gave a whole totally different testimony. So he had to, in my in my eyes, he had to be shooken up or um, threatened with charges to come back and give a, another testimony that was just so happened to be good enough to get me charged with the indictment. Hmm. Yeah. So, beginning, the case was, the, the prosecutor was unsure about the case because that occurred. Hmm. But why would the prosecutor would want to railroad you? I have, no, maybe because my I have a couple of ideas, maybe because um, I didn't corroborate or maybe because I was the oldest in the car. I was the only adult, which I was 24 at the time. Um, a couple of ideas, but I, I have no specific reason. I, my criminal history wasn't that bad. I have no violent crimes under my criminal history. I have a um, drug charge and Right after that, um, felon in possession of a firearm, and, and that's my whole criminal history. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea. So when 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 the two guys shot in the alley and they came back in, did they say that they shot skits? They think they shot skits. I didn't hear I didn't hear that part. That's what was in the report, but it, I didn't hear that part. I asked them specifically what happened and their words were we just had to shoot we just had to throw a shootout but did you ask them but who were shooting at you right I asked them who was shooting at them they said they was talking to who they were talking to and they didn't quite see the shooter and so as I dig into my discovery that's when I saw that uh, uh, Jamal Collins was shooting hmm and admitted to firing first, the first shot. Yeah, and then they let him go. Correct, yep. Yeah. So Jamar was shot, shooting at these two guys, at Derek and his associate. Right. He didn't say exactly who he shot at. He just said he seen some suspicious activities, and he came and he shot one time. And then the two guys shot back, and, and, and the bullets hit Bridgeon Gomez. But it, it's crazy because two, two people got shot with the same bullet, and it was only one shot. So I I, I kind of was trying to figure out, was it actually 
Don Quarius and Derek catches Willis that struck Ray John Gomez because they shot multiple times and they were struck they were struck one time and um they were on it was two of them on one bike and one was bucking the other on the the pegs and one the bullet went through him and into Ray John Gomez into one victim into the next one and since he admitted to firing the one shot it had me kind of thinking did Don Quarius and Derek Bullet actually kill Ray John Gomez why do you think it was Jamar's bullet that hit him that's that's what everybody's saying like I'm currently incarcerated with Ray John Gomez's uh, cousins um, and they straight up told me like um, we don't got no problem with you we know that uh, you guys ain't have nothing to do with it. It was Jamal who did it, and maybe they've been fielding since then. So that's what really raised my attention. Like, well, wow, wow. So I'm, that just had me taken back right there when they told me that. That made me. That's actually what made me dig into my paperwork, my motion of discovery, even deeper to figure it out because. They were the ones that told me first that um, all Don Quarius and Derek didn't kill my little cousin. It was Jamar. It was Jamar. So where is Jamar now? Um, he's somewhere in, in the world, but he he recently got shot in the head, so he he's not doing really too good. He's he's in Minnesota. He's in Minnesota right now. Yeah. All right, he's not incarcerated. He's not incarcerated. No, he was here. He did about five years here during my time, mm-hmm. and the whole time I didn't know I was around somebody that was in the alley shooting at the time. Man, okay. Yep. So he got out and got into another shootout and got struck in the head. So um, he's a little slower than what he used to be from the head wound. But he would be a good candidate to speak to. Um, and what about what about the what about uh, uh, Derek and Don Curious? Where are they? Um, they're in different prisons. One is in Oak Park Heights, and the other one is in Rust City Correctional Facility. For the same crime as yours? For the, no, they they're charged with second degree intentional murder. And how many years did they get? Um, thirty around thirty-five years. Each. Each. Yep. Correct. Okay, so these two guys get thirty-five years, years each, with parole, right? With parole, which they only have to do a third of it, so they end up doing um around um maybe less than twenty-five years. Hmm. So. So they they do less than 25 years and get out and you you got life in a life without parole. Right. Mhm. And the actual guys who shoot it are going to get out obviously because you know they took a deal. That's why. Yep, they they did what they had to do to come home. Yeah, uh the jailhouse informants also got plea deals in your case. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I'm reading here the second jailhouse informant HP agreed to testify as part of a plea agreement for an unrelated offense. At trial, he changed his story and claimed that Taylor had not told him anything about the case. A police investigator later testified that HP told him that he was extremely afraid to testify that day in court and was worried that when he went back to prison, he would be attacked. Right. Yep. The, the same detective that investigated my case came and rebuttaled his testimony. Wow. Isn't it amazing that detectives come to back up testimonies of jailhouse informants? What the hell does that mean? I mean, I thought that you should back up testimonies of truthful people. Right. Not snitches and jailhouse informants. Right. I mean, a police detective to go and back up the testimony of a jailhouse informant means that they they cut a deal. Right. And it's, it's, it's a first to me because it's my first time ever going to trial because um, even though I'm not perfect, I'm pretty honest and... Every case I caught, I, I take plea deal because I'm guilty. If I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I'm not gonna waste my time or the court's time if if I done something wrong. And that comes to this case. I'm I, if I really felt that I was responsible, I would have took the 15 years and been home this year in June. But I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't plead to something that I didn't do. And so it cost me a lot, a lot of more years. So that is true. That is a that is a sign that uh, points towards your innocence. But at the same time, you also lied and you you said that you weren't there. That kind of like screwed up the whole case. They did. I, I'm aware of that. You know, if somebody alleges that you did it, that's just an allegation. They need to prove it. If you accept that you. If you say that you were not there, but you were really there, so obviously, you know, uh, that can't be uh, pushed back because you were there. The, the, the question here comes is that, you know, why did this attorney railroad you to ask you to lie when you said to him that I don't want to lie, I want to say the truth, but he coerced you to lie. That was weird. Yeah, and it took a while afterwards to figure out, like, wow, um, the prosecutors really, they work was easy because of my attorney, and I, and I think it took a while for me to figure that out, and I, I really, and I wrote to my attorney for, like, certain legal materials and, materials and, uh, motions that he filed, and I don't get a response, it's like, he don't communicate with me for no reason, so. You have one minute remaining. The, ther- the third jailhouse informant, CR, testified that he had known Taylor for around 10 years and that Taylor was affiliated with YNT. Taylor told CR that he was driving a group to, to look for members of Skit's gang to shoot in retaliation for the shootings of shooting of somebody that Taylor knew According to CR, he decided to testify against Taylor because he was upset that Taylor would use his influence over juveniles to have them commit crimes. He could have prevented it, but he put them in that situation to do what they did. Taylor apparently could coerce the juveniles to be the shooters because he was a big uh, homie or their superior. 
How much truth is there? Zero. And I, I don't know that guy at all. And that's just partial of his testimony. His testimony literally didn't corroborate the state's theory at all. He he mentioned that. Thank you for using. This is fair play. Yeah, so the third J-Loss informant, we were talking about that. Okay, yeah, so I never met this guy. I was in the unit with him for literally five minutes, and they asked me to pack it up and move, and I had a weird feeling that he was he was trying to use me to go home early, so I immediately called my public defender and said they just moved me from one unit to the next, and I feel that this guy is um, going to try to use my case to go home early. And that's exactly what he did. And when he didn't corroborate, he got on the stand, and that's only a summary report that you just read. He also said that after the guys got back in the van, that I grabbed the gun from them, got out and said to them, y'all didn't do it right, and got out and went in the middle of the street and started shooting. And I was thinking, like, how could the prosecutor use that? And he's not even corroborating their theory. That's They're not even indicating that I touched the gun or anything. So how could they use his, his theory? Yeah. So all, all of that is lies. Like, everything he said is lies. He knew me since the early 2000s, and where he knew me from was all lies. All right, cool. So the district court district court also admitted two phone calls made by Taylor while in jail. In the first phone call, Taylor called an individual and expressed regret for not posting bail. That's why I should have been bailed out, man. If I would have been bailed out, I'd have been on the run right now. The individual responded, they would have came and tried you tried to pick your ass up for that charge, then Taylor said, but I would have been gone. Did this happen? I was in jail on an unrelated charge, and I was saying I should have bailed out. They totally misscrewed everything I said to fit for their needs to convict me. I was in jail on an unrelated charge, on a gun possession charge, as I said before. That was two years prior to the shooting. Right, I was in jail awaiting to get sentenced and I had a bail. I didn't even know that I was gonna get indicted when I made that when I had that phone conversation. I said you guys should have came and bailed me out because I had the day before I got picked up, I was to go out of town and I said I would have been gone in Colorado at the time where all this stuff would have happened. Mm. And they took it and dressed it up for their needs, as they did a, a couple of conversations that I had on the phone. So what you're saying is that they went back and pu- pulled out recording from two years back and used it in this case? Right. Whoa, man. When I, when I was in jail for uh, another, another charge, because my charge for this case was, my bail was $2 million. So it was no way I was going no I was going to bail out from um, the indictment because it was a two million dollar bail. So it was obvious that I was talking about my previous charge. 
I mean, didn't your attorney object that they're using a phone call from two years prior to the killing? I don't know. I'm not sure if he had objected or not. Um, but they end up using it uh, regardless if he did or didn't as an omission of my guilt. So when they tried you for Gomez's death, you were already in prison? I was I was in the county jail. That's correct. So when did they pick you up for that? So for, so let me understand this. Because you were you were out driving the van. So when did they put you in prison? That was two years before this incident, right? That's when the charge happened and I I had bailed out and and I was fighting it from outside and so I had got they had kicked in um the door of my girlfriend and took me to jail because her nephew had some things in her and in it was some things in her house and but I figured out it was just a reason to get me in custody because all of this stuff was going on and I was being investigated. Hmm. And so they grabbed me out of everybody in the house. And I thought it was, was strange before because everybody in the house was saying, like, why, why are y'all taking him? He he don't even live here type thing. And so they took me and they held me and they raised my bond before I was even indicted. And so I thought it was strange, but I didn't, pay, I didn't really pay no attention that I was being investigated for this case. Oh, okay. So you're you're in an apartment building with your girlfriend, and the police and the sheriffs come down, breaking the door, to, and and they just take you out. Yep, they they search the house, um, and out of all people, they take me. They said they had a search warrant for drugs and guns. Did you tell them why you're taking me? Uh, they asked me, "Aren't you on bail for a firearm?" And I said, "Yeah." And they like, "Oh, uh, take we." and they arrested me. How did they know that you were on bail for a firearm? I guess they did their research. Yeah, as, so... Th- as, Go ahead. As as I was thinking, like, thinking back, I put it all together, is that they knew I was there, they needed a reason to put me into custody, and that's what they used. Because they knew, when they, when they came and kicked in the door, they knew who I was, and they revoked my bill, and they already had their sights on me. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was a planned op. Yep. yep. Yeah, it was a planned operation to take you down and to put you there, and then later they will charge you for whatever they wanted to charge you. Right, yep. Yeah. So, was that a no-knock warrant? Yep, it was a no-knock warrant. I mean, they always get the wrong guy in that. I mean, yep. it's just ridiculous. Something's going on in your state, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yep, and it was it's about seven in the morning, just uh, no knock warrant. They just kicked the door down and ransacked the place. And then took you out. And took me out, yep. Yeah. Was your girlfriend ever asked to testify? Um, she was on the, the state's witness list, uh, but she never testified. Mm-hmm. They actually tried to, to use a conversation that I had with her and tried to say that I tried to uh, make a make her 
give me an alibi, which my lawyer asked me to have her con have her contact him, and I was telling her that, and she said, "What do you want me to tell him? You want me to tell him that you?" She suggested it, and I said, "No, just." She said, "Do you want me to tell him that we were together that day?" And I said, "No, just answer the questions that they had." And so they played that to the jury and tried to also use that as a admission of guilt by that conversation. Yeah, even though that happened, that has nothing to do with with this allegation. Right, and they were just taking shots in the dark at that time and just trying to mm. use and find anything to tie me to this. And mm. so, where's your brother now? My brother, he's he's out in the world, uh, doing pretty good. No, he's he. You know where he is? I know. Yeah, I know where he at. Um, he lives with his um, his wife, kids, and turned his life around and doing pretty good. So doesn't he feel like shit that you know his brother is in prison for something he didn't do? Yeah, he feels he feels real bad, and, and he's trying his hardest to. Do what he can to, to get to help me out. Um, he finally decided to tell his side of the story because his side of the story was never um, taken. So he's working with my investigators and all that. Yeah, I would need to interview him because he was a witness with you. He he saw everything that occurred. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So what about skids? What happened to skids? He was killed. Actually, by who? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't tell you who he was killed by. When did this occur? This occurred in 2011, also, I believe, around September. No, but this was a time when you were in jail. Yep, I was. I was. I don't. I don't think I was in jail at the time. Okay. But they also. I believe they also tainted the jury by saying, because they, they acknowledged in my trial that, okay, Skits end up dying. Oh. But they also made me look like a monster because they said that, oh, we were riding around looking for Skits, which was also false. And so the jury gets this idea in their head, like, oh, we were riding around looking for Skits. Skits shot his brother. And then Skits turned up dead. And then we also got these other teams that turned up dead, and so that I know that the jury, because I, if I put myself in their shoes, I would be looking at this guy like, wow. Yeah, but if I were in the jury, I would be first looking at those two guys who were there at the crime scene and what was their background with Gomez. That's what I'd be looking at. Correct. But nothing of that nature was brought up to the jury so it was just all it was all about me and so they looked at me as a, a monster so I guess the, that made them reach the verdict that they they met well they reached the wrong verdict and uh, you know I don't know how people can live with that but the the question is that um, it was actually a juror um um crying as they read the verdict, which was very odd to me, because in my mind, I'm like, if this is the decision that you reached, why are you so emotional about it? Like, she was very, very emotional, like, 
not just like a shed of tears. She broke down crying as she read the jury, read the verdict. Excuse me. The investigator has to interview this juror. Right. That's a good idea. I never thought of that. Yeah. That's why God connected you and I so that we have more ideas coming together. Right. That's a blessing, man. Because I never thought about that. Yeah, we need to interview that juror and uh, get her feedback on that. It, it was also um, a friend of mine had seen one of the jurors, uh, the only black male juror at a nightclub, and, and he had asked, like, um, what made you guys find Taylor guilty? And his response was, what uh, your... You have one minute remaining. He said because he lied. He lied on the stand and it, it ruined his whole, whole credibility. Like, we didn't we didn't believe that he did half of the stuff, but his credibility was ruined once that it was proven that he lied. Yeah, I understand that he lied, but we need to investigate why he lied. That's what the jury should be investigating. Not that because he lied about not being there proves that he coerced them to shoot somebody. Right. You know what I'm saying? Does that make I, sense I, to you? It, I, it makes perfect sense. Uh, what about, you know, that that uh, state called the gang expert from the Minneapolis Police Department. And they were saying that the, the pictures they showed of you were showing signs. Taylor appeared to be displaying a sign of disrespect to Skid's gang. In the opinion of the expert relying on those photographs and on other undescribed information gathered from social media, police reports, jail calls, and school resource officers, Taylor was a gang member. What is this? Right, and, and they, they never went into detail on schools or any of that, because in school I was an introvert and I didn't hang with anybody, so I, they never went into detail. All she did was took two pictures which were before Y&T were even started at the time because that, from what I'm hearing when I was younger it wasn't the Y&T so she took a picture of me doing a rock star symbol and said that that was a, a, a Y&T yeah. sign and but she never elaborated on what school or what police liaison at the school said that I was a gang member because it was no, it's none that can be like, oh, well, I was at uh, Taylor's High School and he was involved with this gang and that gang. It, that don't exist. Did your, did your attorney challenge that? I'm not sure if he was ejected, but I was telling him, like, I, that's lies. Yeah, they need to c and, come up with some proof, man, because it's saying and other undescribed information. What the hell is undescribed information? You're alleging something on someone, you gotta prove it. Right, and, and she took two photos, and which photos that I, I'm single, if I was a gang member and you trying to dis, you trying to prove that I'm a gang member, you're gonna have some photos with me of gang, around gang members. Yeah. A, a continuously cycle of me hanging around gang members, of me being arrested with gang members, but it was none of that. Each time I was ever arrested, I was arrested by myself around nobody else. So I was wondering where did she get her information that I was a gang member, and then it dawned on me there isn't any. She, 
she did what she had to do to help the state get their conviction. Yeah, and the fact that the jury found Taylor guilty of all counts, uh, it is kind of uh, bizarre and absurd because we know that we have two guys who actually did the shooting. And just on the base of conspiracy that, oh, this guy, oh, Keeman, Keeman coerced these guys to do the shooting. I mean, what? and then you put Keeman in for, for life based on that? And, you know, you can't even prove it. So it is a bizarre case. Uh, no doubt about that, like you first mentioned to me earlier when we started. I had no idea how bizarre it is. Yeah, it's, it was yeah, it's a nightmare to me, man. So That's my story. So how are you coping up, man? You've been in there for over 10 years now. Um, just strictly off, I run strictly off... Um, support from my friends and family and faith that um, this is not this is not my ending and I try to motivate other individuals that's going through things you know that because me I figured that I'm put here for a reason and it's a, I, I find my purpose and that's with spreading love and you know what I'm saying positivity through other people you know when I reach the right person, then it'll all be over, you know. So I figured that I'm put here for a purpose, just finding the purpose of why I'm here. You know, a lot of things in life come to us uh, that we have no control of. The only control we have is how we respond. And a lot of the things that happen to us, we might not even know why it's happening until we go back, back to God. Correct. Yeah, that's true. And then all the evil that comes to us, it comes from our soul. And all the good that comes to us comes from God. So we all have done a lot of shit in our lives and sometimes it catches up. Maybe it's not the exact thing. Maybe it's something else. Right. But, you know, we're all uh, fighting our own circumstances. But in, in your situation, when you know that you haven't done it, how do you keep your sanity and your cool? I'm just with support support and then with the the knowledge that the truth is going to come out soon you know so all I can do is be patient and and wait for that time to come and, and keep fighting that's all keep fighting and have faith that's what I that's what I thrive off of what happens if these two gentlemen turn around and say to the state that we were lying we actually pulled the trigger and nobody coerced us and Keeman had nothing to do with that. Then what would they do with the case? Um, and that's crazy that you brought that up because I've been getting um, messages from um, guys trying to, in their own words, uh, do, the, do the right thing because I guess they see it and they, they're going through it themselves so the, um, the conscience is, is real so whether they can live with what they did and what they said in order to get what they needed to get, which was out day, you know, so they're, they're reaching out and so I just direct my investigator to take this statement and see if we can run it through court. And what about all those people who might be innocent and incarcerated and trying to survive the prison? What would you say to them? 
of just to stay focused and keep fighting and, and have faith. Have faith and, and understand that faith and doubt cannot coincide together. So you gotta have faith without not one drop of doubt. You know? So just keep fighting and keep faith. God willing. <laughs> This is Fair Play, Fair Play, Justice News.net.